Father, we pray that you would speak your word into our lives, and none of us could be unchanged, Lord, because we were in earshot of your word. So just penetrate us and make us what you want us to be now in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was this guy. Actually, the guy I want to tell you about is, in light of Joe and Rebecca moving, is, is a story about Joe Ward. And you need to, again, you need to understand that Joe, you know, grew up in the hills of Tennessee, a real hillbilly. And his, uh, his parents were, were older when he was born, more like grandparents' age. And, and they had never been to the big city before when he was a boy. And so they decided it was time to take them to the big city. Take his, so they, they'd read about these tall buildings, but they'd never seen one before. So they drove into the big city. And the pickup truck, just just Joe, his mama, his daddy. And they pull up to one of these big old skyscrapers. And so Joe's daddy said, let's go, son. We're going to go and see what's inside of one of these buildings. Mama, you stay in the truck. So Joe and his, his daddy went into this big old skyscraper, and they walked into the lobby. And they noticed these, what, what they'd never seen before were elevators. They had never seen an elevator they just saw these, these people push a button and doors open and doors close in this little room. So they walked up to it, just Joe and his daddy, walked up and just stood looking at that elevator. And as they were doing that, this old woman comes up in a, with a cane. She can barely make it. And she comes and pushes the elevator door. The elevator door is open. She walks in. The doors close behind her. And they, Joe and his dad just stand looking at the door. All of a sudden, a light comes on, ding, and the door is open, and out comes a beautiful young lady. And Joe's daddy said to Joe, Joe, go get your mama. <laughs> so anyways, you can ask Joe more about that story. <laughs> but Joe was amazed that day. We all find ourselves amazed from time to time. But do you know that there is something that amazes God? And that's what we want to look at today. There is something that amazes God. A little background before we turn to the book of Malachi, in chapter 1. The background is, this is about the 5th century B.C. when this takes place. It's about 100 years after Cyrus of Persia issued the decree of 538 B.C., which permitted the Jews who were in exile to return to Judah. The temple had already been rebuilt at this time, the passage we're going to look at, it was rebuilt in 515 B.C. So everything seemed to be back in religious order when we get to the book of Malachi, or at least they thought so. But God, on the other hand, had a very different opinion about how things were going with their relationship with him. In fact, he was amazed at the horrible way his people were treating him. He was astonished by it. Let's read. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Again, this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi, but this is God speaking. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest who despise my name, 
But you say, how have we despised your name? So God is amazed. He's amazed that he gives his best for his people, and then his people respond to that by holding out on him. And God is wondering, where is the honor and respect that he is due? Where is it? He's not getting it. But the priests don't seem to understand this rebuke because their response is, how have we despised your name? What are you talking about? I mean, we're meeting in the temple. We're having church. We're reading the law. We're avoiding major sins, aren't we? What are you talking about? It seems like we're doing everything like you want it to be done. What's the problem? That's the priest's response. So God continues. Malachi 1 verse 7. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, he's talking about lambs to offer. When you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. So what's going on here? Well, the priests were allowing the people to bring sacrifices in their offerings that were not pleasing to the Lord. The priests were allowing it. The people were not supposed to bring the blind, lame, or sick lambs to be sacrificed to the Lord. They weren't supposed to do it. The priests were not supposed to allow it. And God says by allowing this, they were actually defiling and despising his altar. Then God says, would you give it to your governor? Would he appreciate if you offered that diseased lamb on his table for dinner? Of course not. I mean, the answer is, of course not. Then God's like, then why do you offer it to me? Now, what would motivate someone to keep the good lambs for themselves and to offer the blind, diseased, the lame lambs for sacrifice? What would motivate them to do that? Well, the answer is really quite simple. You could get more money at the marketplace for the unblemished lamb than you could for the diseased lamb. So what they did is they sold the good lambs at the marketplace to get money. And then they offered the diseased, the lame lambs to God. Any of you ever given God a lame offering? You know, that's where that expression comes from. That was really lame. You ever offer something to the Lord that you wouldn't dare to offer your boss at work? How about your offering of time? Do you make sure that you are on time for work but show up late to teach in Adventureland. Now, wouldn't that be a lame offering? 
How about your offering of service? Does your job get the very best you have and then church and ministry get leftovers, if anything, of what you have to offer? Wouldn't that be a lame offering? Just between you and God, would that be a lame offering? How about your offering of your schedule? So many people I know that are so careful to go to bed early during the week so they're rested for work will stay up late on Saturday night and be sleepy in worship service. Isn't that a lame offering? How about your offering of talents to the Lord? So many people are full of creativity and ingenuity, and they give their very best, you know, of course, in the workplace, and then it comes to time to do ministry, and it's like they just shut down. They don't use the best of what they have for the Lord's ministry. Isn't that a lame offering? How about finances? If somebody gives less than the tithe, less than the 10% that the Old Testament clearly teaches that the people of God are supposed to bring in a place of worship, if they give less than that, wouldn't that be a lame offering? So the priests were allowing this to happen. They weren't rebuking the people. They weren't teaching the people, you can't do that. You can't disrespect God. You can't do that. They weren't doing that. They were allowing it to happen. What the priests should have done, the priests were required to inspect every offering before it was offered. They were required to do that by law, by Old Testament law. And in the inspection, they should have seen that this was a lame offering which I'm sure they did see that. But they didn't do the next thing. They should rebuke the people and say, you can't offer that here. You cannot offer that lame offering here. You cannot treat our God with that kind of disrespect. That's what the priest should have done. But they didn't. That's why the Lord's rebuking a priest in this passage. Now, the priest probably, just understanding human nature, they probably thought, you know, things are tough right now economically. Things are uncertain politically. People are under a lot of stress. So we're going to allow. It's okay if they do that. God understands. But God doesn't understand. That's the whole point. He doesn't. What he does understand is the disrespect that's going on, and the priests let it happen. So what does God say next? Verse 9. But now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part. Will he receive any of you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. So God says, basically, you pray for my favor after that offering? Really? So many people uh, wonder why they're not getting God to respond to their prayers. And could it be that they're showing God such disrespect in the way they treat, them, treat him and their use of time, energy, and money? They, they give him constant lame offerings, and then they wonder why God doesn't respond right away when they pray. That's what God's saying here. He's saying, you expect, you want me to be gracious to you after that way? You treat me like that? 
So that's what's happening in this passage. Now, the question is, the Bible is real clear. The Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. But he says something here that just, I remember the first time I studied this, it surprised me. He basically says, I wish someone would just shut the whole thing down. I mean, he's saying, I would rather have no offerings than these lame offerings. I just wish someone would shut it down. God would rather have no offering than a lame one. So as we begin 2022, we've all got a new year here. We all need to know this. God does not want our half-hearted offerings. He doesn't want them. He doesn't want our half-hearted service, and he doesn't want our half-hearted giving. He says he'd rather have nothing from us than something that's half-hearted. Now, somebody might be sitting in here, and during the announcement video, you were reminded about the offering. You can do it online. You can do it in the boxes. And I know this has happened in the past because I've talked to people who told me it. And during that reminder, the lights were kind of down and they reached in their wallet and I said, well, I got a 10 and a 20. I could give the 10 and still have 20 for lunch. I could give the 20 still have 10 for lunch. Hmm. What should I do? If you ask me, you know what I'd say? Keep them both. Keep the 10 and the 20. Because if that's, if that's the way you're approaching God, if that's the kind of way you're going to give offerings to God, that kind of lame offering, I'd say just keep it. Don't treat them that way. God cannot be treated that way. You know, as we uh, start 2022, so many people will, will come to me, and I, I, once a year I give you know, a message about giving or tithing, and I have someone come up to me and say, I tithe, I tithe most of the time. I'll say, well, you know, there's not really such a thing as tithing most of the time. All you got to do is add up 2021's giving, and you can do the math and know whether or not you tithe in 2021. I mean, it's a simple, simple math, 10%. So my question is, have you thought about your 2022 giving? Have you thought about it? Have you prayed about it? Have you purposed what you're going to do? Have you done the, have you even done the math? It's amazing to me how many Christians have never even done the math, which God made as simple as possible. Move it one decimal point, 10%. In other words, you make $1,000 a month, the math's easy. $100 is, is the offering. It's the 10%. It's the tithe. We bring it to the place of worship. God made it simple. I make 10000 a month, then it's $1,000. Simple math. And if I have all these other sources of revenue, I just I, I add it all up. I do the math, 10%. God made it simple. And most, most, most Christians, most Christians have never even sat down, took it all in, and did the math. And I would say, if you hadn't even done that, you know, it's, it's very likely that you're offering lame offerings to the Lord. Now, one of the things that happens, there's a lot of Christians that will say, well, you know what, I just, I want to, I want to do things right before the Lord. I want to be generous and obedient, but I'm, su- I'm in such financial debt, I can't do it. That's why we offer FPU, Financial Peace University, free of charge to our congregation. Our church pays for it, so you don't have to, so you'll take it, and you'll get out of debt. 
so you can live the life you really want to live. And if you hadn't taken that course yet, it's, it's coming up. Take the course. We have seen so many people get out of debt, and they can live the life they want to live now. And so Financial Peace University is in the bulletin. If you hadn't taken it, I urge you to. But it is an insult to God for us to give him lame offerings. We just need to understand it. For you to do it, for me to do it, for any of us to do it, it's an insult. And we can't do that. We can't insult God. Now, what the priests were supposed to do is the priests were supposed to stop it. They should rebuke the people and say, you can't treat God that way. Not in his house. You can't do that. But they didn't. Well, as a pastor of this church, I got to tell you, some of you are bringing lame offerings to the Lord, and you got to stop it. You can't treat God that way. You can't. It's an insult to him. And so there's so much riding on us treating God the way that he deserves to be treated with honor and respect. Our offerings should show the Lord that we honor him. And giving God leftovers doesn't honor him. In fact, God says to these, to these people, they have left him. The way they're treating him, he, he says, you've left me. That's why when we get to chapter 3 of Malachi, he says, return to me now. Malachi 3, verse 7, he says, return to me. And then people say, how? He tells, Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Answer, in tithes and offerings. So Malachi says the people are robbing God in tithes and offerings. Again, the word tithe, the word tithe just means a tenth part. That's what the word means, a tenth part. And so it's just real simple. God has made it for us, and he's saying for us to do less than that is to rob him. Why? Because the tithe belongs to him. So if we take what belongs to him and spend it any way we want, then we're robbing him. Here's what it says, Leviticus 27, verse 30. All of the tithe of the land, the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So the tithe belongs to him. It's not even mine. It's not even my prerogative to spend it. It's his. That's why the first thing Tracy and I do is we get it out of our bank account because it's not even ours. It's his. It belongs in the storehouse. It is consecrated unto him. It's devoted to him. It's exclusively his. It belongs to him. The tithe is his. So if I take it and spend it any way I want, then I'm robbing him. That's what God says. Those are his words, not mine. And I want you just to remember when Israel first came in the promised land, remember under Joshua's leadership when they come up to the wall city of Jericho and they're about to take Jericho and God does an amazing miracle for them to take Jericho. But God says something to them before that happens. Joshua 6, verse 19, God says, the spoils of silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. That means they belong to him. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. But those of you that read the story, I think it's one of the most amazing stories. There was a man in the camp, and his name was Achan, and he decided to keep a little bit of, for himself. He just took a little bit for himself, hid it, remember, in his tent. And then they go out to fight Ai the next week. Ai, they, Israel outnumbers Ai 10 to 1. 10 to 1. They don't even need a miracle this time. 10 to 1. But what happens? Ai routs Israel. So they go back in utter defeat. Joshua falls on his face and says, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord says, rise to your feet, Joshua. There is a man in the camp that has taken what is holy unto me for himself. And you think, wow, you, make, you, you have a, the army of Israel suffer defeat because of one guy doing that, Lord? 
You do that? He did it. He did do it. So the question is, could that happen today? Could it be possible that the people of God are suffering unnecessary defeat because they're taking what is holy unto the Lord for themselves? I'm just asking a question. Could that be happening? It happened before. And it happened also in Malachi's day, Malachi 3.9. It goes on to say, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. So the people of God during the days of Malachi, not just the days of Joshua, the days of Malachi are experiencing defeat because they're taking the Lord's tithe spending any way they want. He goes on to say this, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So the Lord says, bring the whole tithe into my house. It's mine. It's not yours. You can't do it whatever you want as you please with it. Expect to walk under an open heaven. You can't. But you know, I just, I, I, I think it has a lot to do with just, in this country particularly, we have such a spirit of independence. There's such an attitude, I think, of, uh, you know, I'll do what I want to do with my money and I'll give it where I want to give it. And, and I think some, even some Christians that want to give say, you know, I'm not going to give it all in my tithe to the church. I'll give a little bit to this missionary, a little bit to this poor person, a little bit here. I'll, I'll give a little bit to the church. And I think the Lord sees that and says, well, that's real nice what you're doing. But do it with your own money. Mine goes to the storehouse. Now, offerings are a different thing. There's offerings. Yeah, you do what you want. The offerings are called free will offerings. But the tithe, he says, he wants in the storehouse. God has actually ordained the storehouse to receive the tithe. He did it. He says it in there. Bring it into the storehouse. The offerings, of course, are another matter. So honor the Lord and bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And what happens if you do? God says, then I'll open up heaven over you. I'll pour all blessings on you till they overflow. I will make sure you are always having what you need. I'll take care of you. Then he goes on to say, and I'll rebuke the devourer. Look at this, Malachi 3.11. Then I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. So God is going to rise up. If we, if, we, if we honor him, treat him with respect, no lame offerings, including the, the tithe here, then he says, I'll rebuke the devourer. And when he rebukes the devourer, it always works. Always. You see, who's the devourer? You know that all those times your money seems to just evaporate? What happened to it? What happened to that raise? What happened to that bonus? What happened? It's gone. The devourer got it. But God will rebuke that devourer, and that won't happen anymore. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, Gary, there is no way. You're I can't make it on 100%, and you're telling me to knock off 10%, and I'm telling you, that's what the Word of God says, and God says, test me in this and see if I won't do this. Take care of you. It's a trust test. He says, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll enable 90% to go further than 100% because I will get involved in your finances. Test me. You watch. And I can tell you hundreds of stories that Tracy and I have experienced. We never, early on in ministry particularly, we never could make a, a, a budget work. It was laughable. We made so little money. And we would get it out, out right away, and God would surprise us and surprise us and surprise us and surprise us. And that is our life story. And he'll do the same for you because he promised it. You know, when uncertain times come, a lot of people pull back on their giving. I wonder why. Why? 
Why do you pull back and you're giving an uncertainty? What are you testing, trusting more in? Some money in the bank for the future or a God who promises to be there and open heaven over you in the future? See, it comes down to a trust test. Really, the only reason we, people really bring lame offerings, the only reason people bring lame offerings is because of unbelief. They do not believe the promises of God. Because if they did, they would not treat him that way. So I, I know this is, I mean, I'm shooting very straight with you this morning, straight from the word of God. These are God's words. But I, I, it is for all of our benefit to hear these words and to respond to them with obedience. All of our benefit. Not only will we treat God with respect and honor, he deserves, but we'll walk under an open heaven, which we all want. So it is to our benefit and the benefit of the kingdom that we do this. So here's what I want to close with. And that is in the seat back in front of you, there is a little bookmark. Those of you in the front row can reach behind you. There's a little green bookmark, and it's not something you're going to turn in. I don't want to see. This is between you and God. But based on the word of God today, what do you purpose to do in your offerings to the Lord? What do you purpose? This is something that I just want you to take a moment and think before the Lord. Based on his word, what do you purpose to do? And sign it and keep it to yourself and use it in your Bible. And remember, the hair in the word of God one day, you made, a, you, you made a certain commitment. And between you and God, keep it. You don't turn this in. I don't want to see it. This is between you and him. But it's so easy for us to have heard, heard the word of God, go out and eat lunch and forget it. And it matters. It matters for you. It matters for God. It matters for his kingdom. It matters. And we treat him with respect. No lame offerings at Grace Community Church. Wouldn't that be a great thing if we all committed to that? No lame offerings at Grace Community Church. If we did them in the past, we don't do them anymore because God does not deserve to be treated that way. So take it and just simply make your own decision, keep it in your Bible, and remind yourself from time to time, based on the word of God, I made it a commitment to you, Lord, I'm going to keep it because you deserve it. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you that these, these things, though sometimes they seem to come across heavy and hard, they are so good and release such blessing for us if we just see them with the eyes of faith. So Lord, I pray for that. I pray for all of us to have eyes today to see with the eyes of faith your goodness in this, that we treat you as we should, Lord, and, you're, and, and you want to take care of us, Lord, and bless us beyond anything we can imagine. And Lord, I pray that we just, the faith would just fill us now to be able to respond to you in the obedience and respect you deserve. And Lord, I pray for Grace Community Church, Lord. We pray, I pray that this year be a year of giving you our best in every way because you deserve the best. And Lord, and I, we, we just, I pray, Lord, this would be the best year for Grace Community Church as far as bringing you honor and glory here and around the world. We ask for that. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we're dismissed, that you'd use us, Lord, to really be lights to shatter the darkness. Now, before we do dismiss, I just I do want to say that if this is your first Sunday here, Tracy and I'd love to meet you over here in this welcome corner and answer any questions you might have. We also have a connection corner back here. Staff will answer any questions. 
And if you have a prayer need, I want to just invite the pastor and elder couples up here to pray for you and ask God's kingdom to come and work mildly in your life. You're dismissed. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day and a great week.